This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. If you're like me, you're raring to go to plant those spring and summer seeds indoors to get a jump on the season. But you might be confused about all the different options for what soil to use. When you walk into the garden center, that potting soil aisle can be absolutely overwhelming. Potting mix, potting soil, seed starter, soilless medium, the variety and the possibilities are endless. Which do you choose? And does it really make a difference when you're starting your seeds indoors? The answer, like most everything in gardening, is maybe. (laughs) Today I'm going to talk about the difference between soilless seed starting mixes and regular potting soil and give you the information you need to determine what works best for your unique growing situation. It all comes down to how long your plants are going to be in that starting medium, how often you plan to water, your fungal disease pressure, and maybe just how many seeds you intend to start. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen. I started gardening years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard, then moved to a five-acre lot outside city limits and expanded that garden to half an acre. What started as a way to provide for my family turned into a love for digging in the dirt and providing for others. Slowly, my husband and I built our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm through lots of trial and error and successes and failures. Eventually, I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, and along the way, I discovered there is power in food. So I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. This podcast is all about helping you become a better gardener and a better eater. Whether you're a seasoned gardener or have never grown a thing in your life, I want to give you the knowledge you need to get the biggest and best harvest you can. Along the way, we'll talk about the food and agriculture issues that affect all of us and dig into topics that many of us may not be aware of. So settle in, grab that garden journal, and get ready to just grow something. I want to start off this episode by just saying thank you. Thank you to all of you who have been listening to me ramble on about plants and seeds and soil and such for the past year, for following along on Instagram, joining me on Facebook, supporting me through Patreon, and buying from the show sponsors and affiliates. So thank you. Thank you. This show is now being listened to in 28 countries, and that includes 48 of the United States and the District of Columbia. So if you know somebody in Delaware or West Virginia, share this show with them, encourage them to listen so that we can be heard in all 50 states. But seriously, I am super grateful to all of you for supporting my mission to get everybody growing at least a little bit of something for themselves. And I just wanted you all to know that. All right, enough mushy mushy. Let's talk potting mix and seed starting. In the beginning... That kind of sounds like at the beginning to an epic movie of some sort. In the beginning. (laughs) In the beginning, seedlings don't have the same needs as their adult counterparts. All the nutrition a plant needs for its first week or so of life is contained within the seed. 
it doesn't really need any additional nutrients until after it gets its first true leaves. Think of a seed as a little protective package that contains a baby plant and a sack lunch. It's got all the energy it needs to pop out of that little protective shell and enough food to get it through until it can begin photosynthesizing and turning light into energy for growth. At that point, it begins to need nutrients from the soil. For some plants, like squash, that's only around 7 to 10 days. But for plants like tomatoes, that's more like 3 weeks. But unlike that squash plant, the tomato seedling won't be moved outside for at least another four to five weeks, whereas the squash plant will need to be moved almost immediately. But in the beginning, that seedling doesn't need any extra nutrients. So here's where you decide whether you want to use a soilless medium or a regular potting soil. Are you growing plants that will be in that soil for quite some time before being transplanted outside? Do you want to be potting up that plant into larger containers after it gets its first true leaves and changing to a different medium at that time? Or would you rather just start with and stick with the same soil type? Do you want to fertilize with a liquid plant food while they're in the seedling stage? Or would you rather the potting soil take care of that for you? And have you had problems in the past with plants sprouting, but then not doing well between the time they come up and the time they go outside? And that might warrant a change. Answer these questions, and you're one step closer to determining if you should go soilless seed starting medium or regular potting soil. So what's the difference between the two? Generally speaking, Potting soil is a growing medium that contains some type of soil and any combination of bark, perlite or vermiculite, humus, manure or compost, peat, and maybe some type of fertilizer. It has a fairly coarse texture when you compare it to a seed starting mix, and you'll often find chunks of bark and other stuff in the mix. Potting soil also tends to hold on to moisture more so than a soilless mix. They don't drain as well as a seed starting mix, which can be a good thing or a bad thing depending on what your goal is. Now, sometimes a potting soil is too rich in nutrients, and this is going to depend on what type of potting soil you buy. There are some highly advertised brands that contain very high levels of chemically derived fertilizers that would be inappropriate to use as a seed starter. Sometimes having too many extra nutrients in the seed starting mix can cause damage to the baby roots of a newly sprouted plant and sometimes can even prevent seeds from germinating at all. And then some of these potting mixes or potting soils are also going to contain chemical agents to hydrate the soil and keep them from drying out while they're sitting on the store shelves waiting for you to come along. If you've used a potting soil for starting seeds and you've had problems with germination, that might be the culprit, so check your label. I will say um, we do not use a specific seed starting mix here and that's sheerly out of convenience. We start thousands of seeds each season and I don't want to be starting them in one medium and then potting them up into something else once they need the nutrients. And I also don't want to have to use liquid plant food when they get to that stage. I also want something that will hold the moisture well without being completely waterlogged because I only have so much time in my week to dedicate to watering. Potting soil tends to hold on to moisture tightly compared to soilless mixes, and that's a plus for me. 
We buy our potting soil in bulk, so I get a better deal on it. And buying a seed starting mix or the components to make my own just don't make any sense. When I do pot plants up, I use the same thing I started them in, and I'm not worried about adding plant food because there's nutrients within the potting mix. Now, if they'll be in that pot for longer than a few weeks, then yes, they'll need to be fed for sure. But for standard plants that are sprouting and then being potted up to a larger container a few weeks later and then going in the garden in just another few weeks, it's all one potting mix. But I've not had any problems with germination in most cases. And any problems that I've had with damping off disease have been totally my own fault for overwatering. So the potting soil solution works for me. The only drawback I have is the composition of the soil. It often contains like small twigs and chunks of bark, and I have to sift those out before I use it as a seed starting mix. It's a minor annoyance, and for me, the benefits far outweigh that one little drawback. But at the opposite end of the spectrum, we have soilless seed starting mixes. It's just like what it sounds like. It's totally devoid of anything related to soil compost, or nutrients. It's a basic medium, and it's intended to facilitate root and shoot growth with a light and fluffy texture. It's a neutral space for the seed to germinate and grow until it gets to that stage where it needs nutrients. It's well-draining, so you have fewer chances of waterlogging your seedlings, and the texture is very fine and very consistent, so there's no twigs or bark or anything of that sort to deal with. It's also sterile. So you don't have to worry as much about fungal diseases the same way you might with something that contains a soil or humus. It makes seed starting very easy, but there can be a few drawbacks depending on your situation. That well-draining texture can mean disaster if you're someone who waters very infrequently. It may allow those seedlings to dry out too much in between waterings. Also, you'll need to feed those plants as soon as they get their first true leaves, or you'll have to move them into a potting soil that contains nutrients to carry them through the next few weeks before moving to the garden. Now, if you're growing mainly fast-growing plants that move very quickly from sprout to garden, like the squash that I mentioned, well, that's no problem. You won't be potting them up, and you won't be holding them much past the time they get those true leaves. But if you grow a wide variety of plants for your garden, and this is most of us, then, you know, this might be an inconvenience. Specialized, soilless seed starting mixes can tend to be a little costly by comparison to the same volume of potting mix. If you're only planting one tray of seeds, this may not be a problem. But as you scale up, the price can start to add up very quickly. The good news is, if you want to use a soilless mix for a large number of plants, most garden centers sell the individual components you can use to make your own. By combining them yourself, not only do you know exactly what's in the mix and how much, you can also save some cash, which can be used for more seeds, right? You've heard me talk about First Saturday Lime, the environmentally friendly alternative to pesticides that we use on our farm. We use it everywhere, in the gardens, in the chicken coops, in the pig pastures, and around the outside of our home. First Saturday Lime created a non-caustic formula that is tough on bugs, but totally safe for humans and pets. And now, as a listener of the Just Grow Something podcast, First Saturday Lime can be your favorite natural pest control, too. 
You can save 20% off your first order by using the code JUSTGROW at checkout at firstsaturdaylime.com. It's a super strong formula derived from eco-friendly products, and it's so effective, I have a 20-pound bag delivered every month to use on the first Saturday. Go to firstsaturdaylime.com and use code JUSTGROW for 20% off your first order. Now, if you're scaling up and you're planning on starting a lot of seeds and you want to use a soilless mix, you can make your own. And a basic seed starting mix contains two parts of cocoa coir, one part of perlite, and one part of vermiculite. Coconut coir is made from the fibers of the outer parts of the coconut. Now, this is typically discarded after being harvested and, and processed. The coconut husks can go through a process that gets them ready to use in the garden and form a substance known as cocoa peat. Now, as the name sounds, cocoa peat is similar in texture and its use to peat moss. And now a word on peat moss. <laughs> I've mentioned before that it's not something I generally recommend using in large amounts due to environmental concerns. And I always encourage you to find sustainable sources of it when you do use it. Peat moss is harvested from deep inside bogs, and it requires the removal of the living layer of the plants above the peat. This, obviously, is going to disrupt the other living things that rely on those plants. Now, if this harvesting is done correctly, the ecosystem is given time to regenerate before harvesting again, but this is usually not the case because that can take a very, very long time. So peat moss is considered an unsustainable resource for that reason. Harvesting it is damaging to the environment and the ecosystems that rely on those bogs. Yes, many of our potting soils we use here do contain some amount of peat moss or peat humus. We generally only use products that contain peat moss and peat humus that comes from Canadian peatlands. Its extraction is regulated by their government. Of the 280 million acres of peatlands in Canada, only 0.03% of the product is allowed to be harvested from virgin bogs. Their peat mining industry is required to restore the peatlands they harvest from by reintroducing plant species and reestablishing the water table. So while the sustainability of this is still a little questionable because the ecosystems that occur in and around those bogs are very delicate, if I'm using a product that contains peat, I make sure it's Canadian and I try to keep even that at a minimum. Now, the good news is cocoa coir and cocoa peat perform the same function as peat moss without the same environmental concerns. Like I mentioned, it's produced out of a waste product from processing other coconut products. So it's actually helping reduce that waste to a certain extent. Now, in a seed starting mix, Coconut coir provides the structure that allows the roots to grow the way that soil or humus would in a potting mix. It is very similar to soil in texture, but it's much lighter, which allows for better drainage. Now, this similarity in texture also makes the seedlings transition to the garden soil a little bit smoother, which helps prevent some shock. Now, cocoa coir also retains up to 10 times its weight in water, so it creates that moist environment that's necessary for germination. Now, that next ingredient, perlite, right? Perlite is made from mined volcanic rock, and it's heated under extreme temperatures until it pops, almost like popcorn. This process is what gives it that incredibly light and airy texture. These are the little white things that you see in potting mix that kind of look like styrofoam. 
It's commonly used in construction or as a filtering material, but most often it's used in gardening. Now, the most important property that perlite provides to this mix is drainage. Those little lightweight rocks will fill in the spaces between the cocoa peat fibers and it creates air pockets. This helps improve the drainage, which we obviously want when we're starting seeds. We don't want them waterlogged. And it aerates the soil to allow oxygen to reach the growing roots. It also holds some water, which it delivers to the roots as needed, and generally allows any excess to drain away, which should help prevent root rot. Now, if you don't have perlite or you can't find it in your garden center, you can use very coarse sand, not the fine stuff in the playground, but something that's um, one and a half to two millimeters wide. This will be purely for our aeration because sand is not going to hold any moisture for very long. Pumice is another alternative to perlite if that's all that's carried in your garden center, but it might be more expensive. And then that last ingredient to the mix is vermiculite. Vermiculite is very similar in structure and its purpose to perlite. Vermiculite is a kind of goldish brown color rather than that really stark white of the perlite. Um, vermiculite is made from aluminum, iron, magnesium silicates. They are also heated at high temperatures to expand, and that's what we use in the garden. Vermiculite's main benefit is water retention. It holds water incredibly well, and it delivers it slowly to the roots, which is going to help prevent oversaturation. It is a far greater water retention material than perlite, which is why we use both of them in this mix. Vermiculite also aids in aeration and drainage, but not quite as successfully as perlite. Um, in older plants, it also helps retain nutrients and delivers them to the roots over time. Uh, this is perfect for use with liquid fertilizers, as the vermiculite improves soil structure and doesn't allow the nutrients to leach from the soil as quickly. Now, when you're making this mix, the ratios don't need to be exact. And after you've made it, you know, on your own a time or two, you'll know what works best for your particular planting style. And if you're using this soilless medium to start your seeds, but then you need something more substantial to pop those babies up into, increase the ratio of the cocoa coir and then add some well-aged compost. So if you increase this to four parts cocoa and then add two parts compost and then your one part each of the perlite and vermiculite, now you have your own potting mix. Ta-da! So should you use a soilless mix or a potting soil? What does it come down to? Like I said, this really all depends on your planting situation and the way that you garden. You heard all the reasons why I use potting mix or potting soil instead of a soilless mix. If you're the type to hover over your seedlings and constantly check the soil moisture level and you're faithfully potting them up into their bigger pots right away when it's time, or if you've ever had problems with damping off disease and other funguses maybe killing off your seedlings, then you're likely the type of gardener who should use a soilless medium. If, however, you tend to forget to water your seeds as they're sprouting, or you let your seedlings dry out, or you don't plan to pot up the seedlings to bigger containers before they go out into the ground, or you just plant so many seeds it's just easier to do everything the same, then you might be one who benefits from using a potting soil that holds on to moisture for a little bit longer and contains enough nutrients to get those seedlings from sprout to garden. 
Now I will say that the potting mix that I use here is actually a hybrid of sorts. It doesn't actually contain any dirt, soil, or compost. And that's why it's considered a potting mix and not a potting soil. I use the US formulation of ProMix and it contains Canadian sphagnum peat moss, peat humus, perlite, limestone, and mycorrhizae, which are my favorite little beneficial fungi. Now, if I can get the organic version in bulk, which is hit or miss every year, it adds the addition of gypsum, compost, and an organic fertilizer. So that becomes a little bit more like a potting soil. I have had great success using both formulations for all my seed starting, the growing on of my seedlings, and my transplanting. I've used plenty of other mixes, and I always just seem to come back to ProMix because it works for me, which is to say, find what works for you. Try the soilless medium. Try some potting mix. Try some potting soil. See how each one works for you and stick with the one that does the best for you and your plants. Gardening may be science, but it's not exact. The factors involved in creating an artificial growing environment, which is what we're doing when we're starting seeds indoors, are going to be totally different from your place than it is at mine. And, of course, we can't ignore the human factor either. <laughs> Between last week and this week, okay, now you should be armed with enough information to get yourself and your seeds off to a great start this season. So, tell me, what are you working on right now? Let me know by messaging me on Facebook or tag Just Grow Something podcast on Instagram and show me what you've got growing. Or jump in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. I would love to see what you're doing right now. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, head on over to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com for all the episodes, show notes, blog posts, discount codes, and more. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. You can also head to Facebook and join a community of other gardeners asking questions and sharing their experiences in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. And if you want to support this show even further, head to Patreon.com slash JustGrowSomething to find out how. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning, keep growing, and we'll talk again soon.